0: You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. How is everybody? Um, we're going to actually play a video really quick. If you don't know, we do have a school of transformation here, which is our school of ministry. Uh, School of Transformation is a combination of a school of ministry and a school of discipleship because we want to be in your life We want to walk with you. And so this will be our second year of our school last year We had a whole group of people from in here come and uh, graduate from the school absolutely amazing time And we have taken what happened last year and we've adapted it and moved some things around and just really excited about this year We feel like we have a great plan um, we have a second year that's happening, which means our graduated first year students get to go to second year, but then also we're very excited to see who our new first year class will be this year. Um, so if you are dreaming about going or praying about going, let, let's just all close our eyes right now. Just close your eyes. And just listen through my voice, the Lord speak to you. No. <laughs> it's called the ministry of manipulation right there. That's We, we, we don't teach that at the school, but... Uh, no, we, I really feel like everybody should. If you have the opportunity, I think you should come to the school. It's absolutely life transforming. Uh, it's a great time to focus yourself on the Lord and what he's doing in your life. And also, it's just um, it's transformational because the depth of identity that comes from it, dreams coming out, and everything like that. So uh, we are going to play the video now. Sir School of Transformation is a launching pad. It's a place where you can learn more about the Father, where you can build community, and where you can go as deep as you're willing to go. Surge School of Transformation deposited within me a fire that was burning like never before. As a married couple, I would highly recommend you both coming. God has done an amazing work in us individually, but also for us as a couple. I really encourage you to go to resurgentschool.com and sign up today. Woo! Short and sweet. Uh, if you don't know, that was Brad and Ann Willoughby, and they have come on our team this year. They're going to be our first-year lead pastors, which we're really excited about. They're a mom and a dad, and they carry such a deep well, and so we're, we're stoked to have them on the team. It's an upgrade for us. Um, so if you're going to be in first-year, you're going to get a whole lot of these guys. It's going to be amazing. Uh, yay. Oh, yeah, the fun part, too. If you weren't here last week, uh, I announced it, but um, we had Frontline Ministries, which is an outreach ministry in our area. Uh, they have um, ministries from... Uh, they have a sex trafficking ministry where they go in. Uh, They're partnered with rescue homes and they um, get Get people out of sex trafficking. Uh, they also go into the strip clubs. They take some of the ladies into the strip clubs and minister over uh, the people that are working in the strip clubs while the guys are outside in the parking lot ministering over people that are trying to go in. Just absolutely amazing stuff. They do homelessness ministry. Um, they do street kids. They do uh, youth on the east side and the west side. And they just do a lot of really amazing beneficial stuff for our entire area uh, so much so that they're actually gonna go national um, in the next year or so. They're gonna start planning bases in major cities all over our nation. Uh, but they've contacted us and said, we want to partner with your school. We wanna partner with your church. Uh, we want your people coming to our ministry because um, last year, some of them, We're working in a a Christmas outreach and some of our students went and volunteered at the Christmas outreach. And they said it was our group that went there, they said were some of the greatest volunteers they had ever been around. Just the uh, heart that they brought to the outreach, the way they served so well, and they were just amazing. They said, we want more of your people around us. And so we were really excited about that. So that's gonna be a rad, rad, rad benefit for the school this year, but then also for the church. Uh, We're gonna be partnering with a ton of stuff that they're doing. We're really, really excited about that, so it's it's cool because last year it was so hard to get out and do stuff because everything was shut down, but now we have all these organizations coming back online. This organization was not offline, but they are now ramping it up, and so um, man, this year's going to be really, really cool we're going to be out in the community doing a lot of stuff fun okay um, I, I just want to I, I want to get you excited about something if 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 you successfully do everything I talk about in my sermon today, (laughs) you too could be part of the Shretta Evram of Resurgent ATL. (laughs) Chris gave me this shirt and I had to, to, I mean, this is our relationship, so, no, it says serve team, (laughs) so uh, I thought that was funny, yeah. Judah looked at it. Well, I got that from Judah because he looked at it and he said, What does that say? Srepta. And I was like, Yep, that's exactly what it says. It's it's a Swedish, Polish, Latin. It's there it is, Latin for you too shall serve the Lord in the house of the living God. This is a, <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. So this is a medium, this is how they fit, and uh we want to get you fitted for sure also. Uh, (laughs) No, I do want to talk about serving today, though, because I think it's so important um, that we know as a church, uh, you know, so... As, as a Thompson family with our kids, there's something I've always said to our kids, um, especially my boys, because they're a little older, uh, but when they would go and hang out with friends or they would go and be away from Lacey and I, where, you know, uh, Lacey says it this way, when you have kids and then they grow up and get old enough to go do things without you, it's like it's like your heart is outside of you walking around in someone else and making decisions without you, right? Like your heart's out there making powerful decisions. You're like, please. Please be smart. Like the first time I saw Oren drive out of our driveway in his car at sixteen years old. I was like, Ah, ah. I mean he backed out the driveway. And you know, at sixteen, we had a long driveway at the time, and at sixteen he's he's testing the, the bounds of the driveway just on the way out, and you're like ah, and then he drives off and you're like, Okay, there he goes. <laughs> you know, your mind's racing and your heart's racing. And uh that was, be- I know, how did we make it? That was before Life 360, which is an app on our phone now with the- that Judah has the benefit of us having, because he would be driving, and we look, and it shows his speed limit and everything, where he's at, and I look, and I, like, text him, I'm like, slow your butt down, and we watch his speed limit go boo, like, real time, and I'm like, and also, quit checking your phone, <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> like, don't text me back, Uh but, you know, we would tell Judah and Oren and a- Ava, Ava's our, she's so easy, it's awesome, don't, let's not mess it up. But when they leave, they were, our boys were easy too, but when they leave the house, we, I would just tell them, I would look at them and I'd say, don't forget who you are. And I'd tell them, you're a Thompson. And, and that, I didn't have to explain what that meant to them because their life to that point knowing what it was to be a Thompson, had been explained to him through life, through our family's culture, through our core values, through who we were and what we do. And I talked last week about family in here. And I talked about, you know, every family has a normal. And your normal may be different than my normal. And uh, I even threw out that we like pepperoni pizza with pineapple on it. And some of you, oohed and odd. And some of you, oohed. and, um, And see, you can see the difference in people right there. He's shaking his head. And look at, in your yellow shirt, shaking his head in his yellow pineapple-colored shirt. I just feel like the Lord set you up for that one, so. But everybody has their normal. What? It's not misspelled, it's, it's Swedish. You didn't get that part. It's Latin, that's what it was. But everybody has their normal. Each family has their normal. In this family, we're still a young family, but we are creating our normal, and we are creating our family culture, and we're creating, you know, every family, like uh, there was a girl, I went golfing uh, on Sunday, or on Friday, with my father-in-law in in Florida, and there was a girl that drives around, and she wants, you know, you want any drinks? You want a water? Do you want anything? And she kept saying, Ewan's. Ewan's, want anything? Ewan's, want anything? And I'm like is she from Pittsburgh or somewhere in Pennsylvania? Because that's not normal, right? Especially in Florida. Or uh, She kept saying, Yuns, Yuns, Yuns. And I'm like are you from Pittsburgh? And she said, no, I'm from Ohio. She was like out from Amish country in Ohio. I didn't realize they said that in Ohio. I've never heard that in Ohio, but that's her normal. It came out of her mouth like 10 times in a very short conversation. And I was like, this is so wild. Just keep talking. Cause it was so funny to listen to somebody that had such a different way of talking. Right? So we all have our, our thing. We have our accent. We have our words we use, you know, in California, uh, we don't, we don't, pronounce the end of words, I guess. I saw a whole video on it and I was like, That is so true, I never even realized it, but everybody's got their normal. We have a normal here. My kids' normal is, remember you're a Thompson, and they know exactly what that means. They know what's expected of them, they know how to represent our family best just by that short sentence. And here in our family, it's a kingdom family. This gathering is a kingdom family. So what does it mean and what does it look like to be a kingdom family? There's certain cultural norms that will happen in a kingdom family. There's core values that we carry in a kingdom family. Last week I talked about identity being something that is natural in a kingdom family. When you come in and you're new here, identity is something that is just infectious here. You you begin to realize your natural identity, your God-born identity when you come in to kingdom family. I also talked about belonging. It's part of being in a kingdom family. You walk in and it doesn't feel like you have to prove yourself. It doesn't feel like you have to add up to some unknown, unsaid, like there's some bar I have to jump over, there's something I have to do to be a part of this club, this elite club. In Kingdom Family, there is a natural sense of belonging that's also contagious. It's like you come in and you're invited into the family. Uh, The Thompson family, my dad's side of the family, um, they've never met a stranger. So when we have family reunions or they would have these huge cookouts and we don't get to go to them as much anymore because we live 3,487 miles away, however many, I don't know. It's a long ways away. But when they would have these huge gatherings, Lacey was in shock because she came from this little family, like small family, and it's, her mom's side of the family would be her mom and her brother and maybe an aunt or an uncle. And like that was pretty much the entire family. The Thompson family, when we'd have a get-together, there's 150 people there. And I don't know a lot of them. I grew up in that family. And I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, you just know everybody. Hey. No, it wasn't even a family reunion. It was like, hey, we're having a cookout at Aunt Chris's house. And I'm like, oh, cool. We'll stop by. You get there and there, there's literally dedicated parking in the bottom of the farm. They, she has a farm. There's dedicated parking down there with people waving you down the hill. Like we have our own parking team in my family reunions. And that wasn't even family reunion. It's just a cookout. And they've got like karaoke happening. They, it's a full on thing. And you go there, and it's a fun time, and they've never met a stranger. Like, I have people that are part of my family, not by blood, but they're a Thompson, and they come to every one of those cookouts because they were one of my cousin's girlfriends at the time when they came the first time. They no longer are, but now they're part of the family. I have friends in Reading that I haven't talked to in years, and I see them post pictures being at my family cookouts. They never came with me once. But now they go to my family cookouts. My friend Cameron, my my friend Brian's older sister Cameron, that loose of a relation to my family goes to my family cookouts all the time and is considered part of the family because that's just how the Thompsons are. I have a Hawaiian cousin that is not related to me at all. Thought my whole life she was. She just happened to show up at a cookout, friend of a friend, and now she's my cousin. Our family's huge. If you want a big family, this is how to do it. If you don't want to birth them all, but you want a big family, this is how you do it. You just adopt everybody that wants to come to a family cookout. And, and I think that is a picture of kingdom family. It's not a picture of religion, but it's a picture of kingdom family. I talked last week and I said, you know, in religion, the first part is behave. And then Believe. And if you do enough behaving and enough believing, then eventually you'll belong. And there's a lot of other steps that happen in there and there's membership cards and there's tithe records and all that kind of stuff to get into that club. But in kingdom, you belong first. And out of your belonging, you're with family and you're rubbing shoulders with other believers and you're seeing the culture. And from there, your belief starts to happen, right? Like belong and then believe. And from that, your your decisions and all of your everything that you do starts to follow that belonging and that belief. So you start to behave naturally, not because somebody's, you know, looking at every decision you make. Chris stirred it up by quoting part of my sermon last week about, you know, the church has been in the business of sin management for far too long, it's not our place. But, you know, people aren't managing your sin or your decisions, people are loving you well and you belong, and from your belonging, your behavior just naturally follows your belief. It's just easy that way, right? Like, everything starts to change inside of you. I was a drug dealer the week before I came to church, had a radical encounter with God, came to church, and I never, ever once tried to sell drugs to anybody at church. No one told me, you need to stop selling drugs to church members. There was no, like, nobody, there was nothing that happened like that. I just didn't do it because I got around healthy and healthy started happening to me. It's just how it works. Healthy is contagious the same way that unhealthy is contagious. There's a study that says you are the sum some of the closest five people in your life. Like you are pretty much the five closest people to you in in a person. That's who you are. Why? Because you are so influenced by the people that you are around and you spend time with. And when we do kingdom family well, the influence that happens in kingdom family is transformational to people that come in the doors. It is, huh? Come on. Um, When I first... uh, when I first started going to Bethel Redding, I was shocked by something because Bethel Redding's not a small church. Like, it, it's a pretty large church. And Bill, you know, he was a big deal to everybody. Like, they would, they'd say, hey, do we have any visitors today? And there'd literally be like a group of 100 people that traveled together to be at church on that Sunday to see Bill speak. Like, crazy stuff like that, right? And, uh, and I, I watched Bill, and I watched his natural, and I watched how he carried himself in the environment. And he would show up early, and he'd be in pre-service prayer, but he would just be loving people, and he'd be praying for people. And then after the service, when he got done, every single Sunday, he would take a beeline for the door, and he would stand at the back door and shake everybody's hand on the way out. I'm talking, there is a line Worse than the airport to try to get out to shake Bill's hand, but he' stand there until the last person walked out the door he would shake their hand. I remember being so impressed by this man's heart and I thought, man, this is crazy. I remember one time um, I went to use the restroom I was in there and Bill was leaving the restroom and he comes out and he 's talking to people and I watch Bill. Not doing it for anyone else and not, like, it wasn't, you could tell, it wasn't the first time he'd done it. But as he walked through the restroom, there's some trash on the ground. He picks it up. He throws it away. He washes his hands. He gets a a towel. He wipes down the entire surface of the sinks and everything like that. Throws it away. Washes his hand again and walks out of the bathroom. It's cultural there. It's just natural. A servant. I was seeing Jesus Through natural actions. You know, Jesus came, and the disciples thought he's going to be riding in on a horse with a sword. We're going to overthrow the government. He's going to sit on the king's throne, and everything's going to be better after that because he's going to conquer everything. Jesus came in wearing sandals and a robe, walking from town to town, serving people, washing feet, when the disciples are like, Get up, Jesus. You're supposed to be, you know, like, come on. We're on a path to the... (laughs) To the castle, not to the, you know, I mean, what are we doing here? Do you know who she is? Or do you know, like, this woman shouldn't be touching your feet. She's pouring, this is crazy. Like everything he did was outside the norm, but everything he did was with a heart to serve the people around him. He broke every, every expectation they had of what this king would look like. He came in as the servant king. He came in with his very first act is becoming a human being to lay down his life. The whole kingdom is based around the heart of serving. You look at, um, it says, wives, respect your husbands, right? Honor your husbands. And husbands do what? Love your wives. And lay down your life for them the same way that Jesus laid down his life. For them. How did he do that? He Died. Died. I mean, marriage is set up. Kingdom marriage is set up that you would serve. Men, you are to serve. You are to lay everything down to the point of death unto your spouse. Like this is the kingdom. Is there tension? There's tension. Don't don't feel don't feel weird. This is normal. Does that make, did that make it better? This life we live in the kingdom, there are core uh, uh, essentials in a kingdom lifestyle. You know, one of them is generosity. And people, I hear people scoff about tithing and giving money and things like that, and especially non-believers. I don't expect them to understand it. Like, oh, yeah, church just wants money. No, actually... I I don't want to see your tithe. I don't know what you tithe. I don't care to know what you tithe. I never, ever want to be a part of that. I had a pastor talk to me about it one time and I almost threw up. I was like, please do not ever tell me what people are worth when they're sitting in their seats, right? I don't ever want to see a monetary value over your head when I'm speaking. I want to see Jesus in you and you see Jesus in me, period, right? So, but people get all stirred up around tithe and I'm like, tithe means 10th. That is the, Tiptoe first step through the threshold of the door of the kingdom. That the true like living in the kingdom is that you would be generous. The generosity would be who you are and it would flow from you. Generous to him is the first step of generosity. Then generous to the people around you, that's the next step. But the generosity be, be a part of it. The tithe would be thrown out to the side because generosity overtook tithe. Have you ever been passed by a semi on the freeway? It kind of pushes you around. Like that our generosity would pass our tithe in a way that it would push our tithe around. It would offend it. Like we are meant to be a generous people. It's who you are. It's, I have a hard time with all of my friends because all of my friends... Every there's not a friend I have that lets me pay for a bill. I have to fight for it. And and it's 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 a, like a ch- I cannot go to, I can't go eat with Randy Roddy. I can't go eat with the Costantinos. I can't go eat with a whole bunch of people in here and expect to pay the bill. I have to fight for it. I would have to get sneaky. I would have to make a deal like a covenant with the waiter or waitress <laughs> to try to get to the, uh, you know, cash register while like hey oh I'm gonna have to use the restroom and like you know what I mean like why because I'm surrounded by generous people it's it's uh it's humbling and it's weird and awkward at times because you're like oh you know like they're too generous why are they so generous I can tell you why because when you look in their eyes there's a sparkle and it's the same sparkle I see in my dad's eyes It's just the core of who we are. We are a generous people. Why? Because he's generous. He is lavishly generous. He is over and above, overflowing in generosity. It's who our king is. Extremely generous. Unbelievably generous. Humbling how generous he is. And so it's part of who we are. It's part of our family. It's part of our culture. It's part of our normal. The same way I would tell my boys, remember who you are, you're a Thompson. Remember who you are, Your kingdom. And so generosity flows. There was, I saw a study about um, waiters and waitresses on Sundays get less tips than any other day of the week. And I'm like, well, I hope the whole church is going home and making their own sandwiches then. I hope that's the reason. <laughs> I hope it's not because we're going out to eat and being stingy with people or, or judging the amount of tip that my waiter or waitress deserves by the service they gave us because that's not how I was judged. If I was judged by what I did in life, I would have never been able to walk in the doors. Like I, I, I walk in the doors and burst into flames is what should have happened. Right? That would have been wild. (laughs) That would bring a seriousness back to church, right? (laughs) I wouldn't have been accepted in if Jesus was judging the tip that I get in life by my actions. I wouldn't get accepted in. And we receive such grace and such mercy from the king that we leave these doors and we go out to a restaurant and we judge the person that's bringing food to our table by how good their service was and how much they're worth to us. And I'm like, the kingdom's so much bigger than that. The kingdom says, I don't care how much you suck as a server, you're gonna receive generosity to me because my generosity is not based on your actions. My generosity is based on his actions. That's the kingdom right there that's it that's the kingdom when uh when I was at Bethel as a young Christian it it was it blew my mind to see the generosity and the service that happened there and people just serving 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 Uh, you walk in the door and people would be happy to see you and they don't know who you are I'm like they're happy to see me and they don't even know me and I thought this is an act right like when are they going to pull the curtain back and you're like there's the real them you know and it just stayed that way the whole time I was there. And then pretty soon they, they were happy to see me and they knew me. And I'm like, this is wild. When, when is it going to be like, okay, now the real stuff happens, right? Like we need to sit you down and have a talk with you. about." It never happened. It was week after week and day after day of generosity and service. It was time after times of moms and dads in the in the service getting down and washing my feet physically and spiritually you know how humbling it is to get your feet washed by somebody unbelievable you know i was i was all tough you know the drug dealer punk kid all tough. i went to bethel and i just cried the whole time i just always cried why because there was no tough that was going to make it through those doors and survive like they just broke the hard exterior off me Action after action after action just loved the hell out of me. It's huge. Lacy, Lacy, we were talking about it this morning on the way to church, and she was saying how, um, you know, she was a young mom when she went to Bethel, a young single mom. When she went to Bethel, she went right before me. She's the one that invited me. So if this is a pyramid scheme, she feels like she has like quite a lot of like she she can do she's doing okay because she got me got me on her team or something like that. She said she's done. <laughs> so um, <laughs> but she went to Bethel and she's a young mom and it's hard enough to be a young mom in life and then be a young mom new at the church and single mom and all this stuff and she showed up to Bethel and Oren uh, was just a little guy at the time and he would he hated going to children's church he would not go and so if he didn't go he was a wild man also like this boy would get up on the stage at Bethel it's 10 steps high and he would run as fast as he could off the stage and dive to the first person he saw didn't know them and they didn't have to make eye contact with him and realize he's doing it. He would just run and dive. I, literally, a little three, four-year-old dive bomb, he would take people out sometimes. you would be like, no, bam. Like This boy was wild. I mean, she, she had one of those leashes for him, you know, like where they wear the harness and they put a leash on it for the kid. And people would like, be like, bark at her and stuff. And she'd be like, you have no idea. He runs faster than us. Yeah, she's like, this is a life-saving device for him, because he's like, <laughs> yeah, at that boy, three years old, would ride a skateboard down the street like this, pumping his heart. He's a wild man. And so she'd put him in the, the nursery or the toddlers or whatever, and he would just scream and cry forever. So she couldn't, she couldn't put him in there. But then, how do you enjoy church with with a wild child, right? And uh, when I when I first um, when we first got together, I saw a book on her mom's shelf, and it said "How to Deal with the uh, What Was It? Raising a Strong-Willed Child", a strong-willed child by Dr. Dobson. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "What's that mean?" Oh, I found out. <laughs> He's a wild man. But she took him to the nursery, and there's a lady there named Lisa Kilala. And Lisa Kilala, if you know who Chris Kilala is, he sings for Jesus Culture Worship Leader, Lisa lived two doors down from me. Actually, her family, massive reason why I'm even standing in front of you. Because when I was having rager parties and dealing drugs and and just being wasted two doors down from them, they would stay up all night wailing and crying in intercession over my life. Their normal was this. Their 12-year-old daughter would stay up. I found out after I got saved. I didn't know found out after I got saved, their 12-year-old daughter would stay up all night sometimes crying out for my life to be saved by herself. That's their family normal, right? So Lisa's in the nursery and Lacey's, you know, she's gonna try one more time. Let's see if he'll do it this Sunday. And you know what Lisa did for Lacey? She said, give me, give him to me. He's gonna be fine. You go to church, you enjoy yourself. Me and Orrin, we're gonna be just fine. But he's crying, I know. He's gonna be just fine. I'll take care of it. You know what Lisa did? she took the extra step. And because she did that, a young single mom who may have given up and gone, you know what, this just isn't for me, and this was before you could watch church online, right? This is before you could turn on your phone and like be in a Sunday service just like that. This is before you could just play any song you wanted from an app and have your own worship service. This was like, if I'm gonna go to church, I have to physically go to church, and you know from being a parent how much it takes from the bed to the chair. Like that journey alone is a wild one. Like you, if you see some of the kids walk in sometime and they have this bewildered look on their face, just give them a couple minutes. They made it. They made it here. But she would make it to church, which was the battle. And then the battle was still going, but Lisa said, nope, your battle's over, and took Oren and Lacey could go into church and actually get the healing she needed and have the encounter with God that she needed and actually worship knowing like I don't have in the back of my head what's my kid doing I know he's safe because he's with a wonderful person right now someone who is mothering my child as if it's their own child and that was Lisa Kilala absolutely amazing beautiful, beautiful woman uh, she's she's awesome she's like a mom to me I love the quilalas I They're worth their weight in gold and more. And they've served both of us separately before we were ever married in such a dramatic way that there is transformational change in our hearts that we can give the credit to their family for going that extra mile and serving us. When I didn't deserve it, I was just their neighbor. In fact, I was their neighbor that kept them up most nights. I'm talking fights in their front yard. Like big fights, like 20 people fighting and it spills over into their front yard. Cops coming, lights flashing through their windows. There's not a curtain on the planet that can stop those lights from coming through in the middle of the night. I mean, this is crazy stuff. But still, they looked at me and they saw the heart inside of me and they would cry out for Jesus on my behalf and they would serve me and they would serve my family. Who are these people? Their kingdom, that's who they are. And that's kingdom normal. Normal. I want to extend an invitation this morning. Um, I want to extend an invitation for us to move out of COVID mode, right? Because when uh, we would talk to Chris and Terry regularly before we ever decided to come here and um, talk, about, right, talk about church and how it was going and everything. And I met some of the people that were serving. I actually got to speak uh, online to people that were serving and stuff like that. And, and there were a lot of people serving, but the natural thing that happened through COVID was the church got shut down for a short period of time. This church shorter than most because most stayed shut down, and Chris and Terry were like, let's go. And, um, but the church shut down for a period of time, and I think all believers naturally did this a little bit. Right. Uh, uh, most believers naturally did this a little bit, just took a little bit of a step back. And, and it was natural, like global pandemic. Nobody ever experienced this before. But now we're back and we're rolling full swing. And I want to invite you back to the service table. I want to invite you back to the dinner table where when family shows up, family brings something to the table. Family has something to offer. If you're a guest, come and enjoy dinner. We don't w- Actually, we don't want you to do anything. If you're a guest, we don't want you to get up. We don't want you to wash a dish. Very kind of you, but please sit back down. That kind of stuff, right? Like, we just want you to come, and we want you to enjoy the celebration. But if you're family, there's something expected of family. It's normal. It's culturally normal, and it's especially kingdom normal that you bring something to the table. You bring yourself to the table. You bring yourself to the table in worship, and you give, you give your best to him in worship. Like, worship is us pouring ourselves out before— for the one that deserves it more than anyone or anything else, right? And we bring ourselves to the table in worship. Listen, this band right here, they can play the best songs on the planet. They can have voices like butter, right, like just smooth. And they can play their guitar riffs. And I guess his new name's Matt, can play. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you look like a Matt, you told him. He's like, well, I guess I'll change it. Um, <laughs> but they can do everything right. And depending on us, this band can have a heavenly experience and it cannot translate from here to there. The thing that makes it translate from there to here is how we walked in and the heart that we have in worship towards our king. Like, what a lot of people don't understand is there's, this morning, what, five worship leaders up here? And there's another hundred and something out there. Like you are a worship leader when you walk in those doors. You are setting a table. Like you are putting a placemat out for the Lord. You are saying, here God, here it is. Like you are filling a bowl with your praise. You are filling a bowl with the incense of your praise. That it would be a sweet aroma, is what the Bible talks about, unto the Lord. Like your praise. It talks about your praise in the same way it talked about the burnt offering. The burnt offering was an offering where they would burn an animal as an offering and it would be a sweet aroma to the nostrils of God. And praise is talked about the same way as a burnt offering. Why? Because your praise is an offering unto him. And so we come in and we serve the Lord with our praise. We come in and we serve each other with kindness and some are doing it at the door with a smile, right? Every single Sunday morning, come on. We get a, a it's our it's our nine thirty normal our nine thirty normal and uh that's what time we get here yes, I know yes in our in our die hard setup team and also greeting at the door thank you and uh it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful, and that's family right there, and we experience it, and some will do it in here by greeting, and some will do it by setup and some will do it. Even unseen by teardown. Yeah, after you leave, everything gets taken down. And some will do it behind a soundboard, and some will do it with behind the computer that does all the other stuff, lights and everything else, and recording and all that stuff, so that people can get the messages online. And some will do it in children, and some will do I mean, There's just a bunch of places that it happens here. Why? Because this is family. And you think by doing it in children, they're serving you and your kids. You know what Lisa did when she served Lacey? She served Lacey by letting her go to church. You know who she was really serving? This is biblical. She was serving Jesus himself. When you serve, that it wouldn't be unto man, but it would be unto the Lord himself. That is the key to not burning out. If you serve people, eventually you'll get tired of it. You'll burn out. But if you serve the Lord, then a thousand people can come through your door. And it's still unto him. And it keeps your heart right. And it keeps your motives pure. And it keeps your attitude in check. And it keeps you pointed the right direction. We don't serve The people around us, yes, the people around us get the benefit and the fruit of our service, but my service is unto him. If I was serving people in the church, I would have quit years ago. Not because of you, but because of them. (laughs) Figure that out. Dude, people can be rude. People can treat a pastor the same way they treat their servers. I, you can tell a lot by someone how they treat their server at a restaurant. If I'm going to be their friend or not, I can tell by going to lunch with them. And people treat their pastor the same way. Well, most people, most like you people, all treat us very kind. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. But sometimes, just sometimes, there's people. And I don't know who raised them. I don't know. Maybe their dad never told them, remember you're a Thompson, something, I don't know. But some people, they come in and they're like an outside dog, you know? Outside dogs. Outside dogs don't care what they go to the bathroom on. But when you come inside, you're not supposed to do that. But I would have quit a long time ago if I was serving you. Because my service would have had a definite shelf life on it. Because there's only so much I can give to you but when I serve him, I tap into an endless supply because he serves me first and that supplies everything I need to then serve back. It's the same way that the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Jesus said this. He said, when you clothe, I'm sorry, let me back up and say it the right way. Jesus (laughs) said, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in jail, you came and visited me. And the disciples were bewildered by this because they're like, wait, have we seen you naked? <laughs> when were you in jail? Wait, jail? What? He, they, because when you did this unto the least of these, you did it unto me. And so the heart of service is found when we can keep our eyes on the one who serves us best. And when we serve other people, and when we clothe the person that's naked and we visit the person in prison and, we, and we're and we going to have a lot of opportunity to do that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know about the naked part, but uh, <laughs> visiting people. And this guy, I don't know, how many people have you visited in the hospital since I've known, just since I've known you? Hundreds? A lot, yeah. How much time have you guys spent in hospitals? In hospital. Yeah, now they won't let you. Yeah. We've tried a few times, they just won't let you. But I mean, hundreds of people you visited in the hospital. And how many of those people didn't have anybody else coming to see them? Right, and how many of those people would just weep and cry because you're there and you're loving on them, right? And so it's the tears, it's the tears of Jesus that you're seeing right there. It's tears coming down the face of Jesus because when you visited that person in the hospital and you touched their heart, guess whose heart got touched? Like this is the heart of our family here. This is natural. This is cultural. This is who we are. When I say to my kids, you're a Thompson, they know who they are. When I say to you, we're kingdom. This is who we are. We serve, why? Because he first served us. We love, why? Because he first loved us. We're kind, why? Because he was kind to us when we didn't deserve it. I served his table bad. I spilled orange juice on his new suit, right? Like I made a mess and he said, you're worth the biggest tip you ever got in your life. He judged my worth through his eyes, not through my actions. Blew my mind. So why would I walk out of these doors and live my life opposite of what he showed me? Why would I judge people by their actions? Why would I tip a server by their service? Why would I be kind because someone was first kind to me? It's just, it's just opposite of the kingdom. I'm kind to people because they don't control my kindness. I love people because they're not my source for how active my love is. I'm generous because, thank God, they don't have one of my bank cards, right? (laughs) Jesus does, and thank God for that. I serve because he first served me. I went, um, and there's a lesson to be learned here. You can do too much. So we don't want that from you. Like, you can do too much. When, when we were going to Bethel, we first got married. And we were, you know, school ministry students, just crazy wild, had more energy than we have right now. <laughs> Amen to that, she said. But we served on every team we could serve on. It was it was just so natural because you could see it in family around you, and that's what family did, so you just jumped on and so we served on every single team. And I remember I was in second year school of ministry, and Banning came and he pulled me out of class. Yeah, right? Last time I got pulled out of class, I was getting kicked out of high school. And I, I wasn't in class. Never mind, they called my mom. <laughs> that was it. But he pulled me out of class and I'm like, yeah, you know, awkward, shoulders up, can't, and I, you know, you're like in that defensive mode. And he's like, look, dude, I got to have a conversation with you. I'm like, I don't, I don't even have time to screw up. All I do is church. Like, what could I have possibly done? Did I forget something? I don't understand. He's like, I got to do, I got to talk to you. You're doing something that needs to change. And I'm like, oh no. You know, I thought, oh man, I thought I had this whole thing down. And he's like, you're doing too much like, what do you mean I'm doing too much? And he's like, you're on every team. You're on the prophetic team. You're on the outreach team. You're on the children's team that goes Sunday morning, picks up the kids from the low-income neighborhoods. You're a bus pastor on the bus for the kids. You also feed the kids on Sundays. You do the homeless lunch after church. You do. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm a Christian. Like, this is what we do. And he's like, you just got married. And you're a dad now. You have a son. I'm like, I know we do it together. Like we go out, like Oren's out there praying for he was so little his hand, he just grab a hold of a finger and pray for people right there. Like he would, let's go pray for that guy. Let's go. And he this was Orin. I'm like, yeah, we do it all together. He's like, no, you don't anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you have to pick one. I was on the youth team too. I was on all these things. He's like, you have to pick one. You're on the prophetic team. You're on the prayer team. You're on the salvation team. So when people get saved at church, you also go back and do that. You're on, you know, like all, you're doing counseling with Danny. You're on his team. Like it was, I'm like, yeah, this stuff is awesome, right? It was like the greatest rush ever to be a part of what God was doing in the local church. And he said, pick one. And I said, what if that one's not youth? And he's like, fine, pick two. Cause he was the youth pastor at the time. <laughs> I was on his youth team, and I thought, I thought, you can take the kid out of the neighborhood, but you can't take the neighborhood out of the kid. So I thought I'll pull a quick one on you, Banning. He's like, pick one. I'm like, okay. Well, what if it's not youth? And he said, pick two, because he thought for sure I'd pick youth in one of those two. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I picked, uh, I picked youth in, in San Francisco Outreach. We, all, oh yeah. No, that's true. But the, he didn't know about that. That was through youth. <laughs> <laughs> we had hidden ministry stuff we were doing too. No, it was through youth, so it counted. But we we would all, we also I forgot about that. We led the outreaches to San Francisco for Bethel, so we would take a 15-passenger bus, five and a half hours from Reading to San Francisco with. 15 people in it, and we would stay on the floor of a church in San Francisco when we have mice running over us in the middle of the night so that we could serve people in the Tenderloin of San Francisco, which was so beautiful and so awesome. Tenderloin is uh, it's the prostitution drug district of San Francisco at night especially. It gets really rough. So we would go out at 9 o'clock at night and stay out there till 12 or 1 in the morning and see if it would get saved and healed and delivered, and it was just absolutely beautiful. So we picked San Francisco ministry, and we picked uh, youth because... That's just what it was going to be. But he had to pull me back. So I understand that, and maybe some of you are in that position before COVID hit where you're just like, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I, so I get it. We're all in different places. We're all in different seasons. I get it. You have to be responsible with what God's given you and overdoing it is not responsible with what he, it's not kingdom. So the kingdom doesn't wear you out, Right? it's not kingdom to wear yourself out. So you have to be able to gauge these things and you have to learn how to mature in that area and you have to choose what you can and can't do, but family does something, right? And so I wanna invite us back from COVID. And, and there's some of you like, I mean, Scott's back there, that dude, I don't know if you see that computer screen while you sleep at night or not, does he, <laughs> Melissa says, yes, he talks to his sleep about it, he's he's probably got permanent uh, headphone marks too, because this guy, he does it back here on Sunday, but he also did it the whole school year for the school, records everything, he's got, I don't know how many gigs of recording and stuff, always serving and so we owe like we owe a debt of gratitude to everybody that comes here and makes this happen but you know what we're doing we're moving into the fall and we're stepping up everything we do in the fall because we're leaving covid in the review we're actually ripping off the review mirror, throwing it out with covid i think somebody touched it that had it or something i don't know We're getting rid of the rearview mirror. We're not gonna talk about it anymore. The only reason I bring it up is to tell you we're moving away from it. We're getting away from it. And we're gonna go back to what I think is one of the most spiritual things we can do possible. We're gonna go back to church as normal. Like, that sounds bad. Not some normals, our normal. We're going back to church as our kingdom normal, which is we're not going to bend and move around the idea of a pandemic. We're fully... This, this vehicle is greased up, we check the air in the tires, we change the oil everything's good. Windshield is cleaned. New air filter. We got it. This is sweet. We got the tunes. They're plugged in. We're ready for a road trip. We're ready to move forward. We're ready to do what God put us in this area to do. And that looks like this family's going to have to step up and we're going to have to do some stuff. And so we've got setup teams and they set up and these guys are here setting up every Sunday. I, I, I don't think you ever miss. Yeah, that's it. And Terry's setting up, and I mean, these curtains, they don't hang themselves, right? They fall down by themselves sometimes, <laughs> but they don't hang themselves. And we've got, and then tear down and sound and all these things, but also we're gearing up because in the fall, our prophetic teams are launching, and we're, because Part of being a supernatural family or a kingdom family is a prophetic culture that when people come here, they get their prophetic destiny given to them. Like people look at them through the eyes of Jesus and they go, this is you. You know, you're no longer Abram, you're Abraham. And like people get their identity and their destiny when they walk in this house. So we're launching our our prophetic team. So we want you to be on those prophetic teams because without you, it's just a prophetic me. It's not a prophetic team, right? Because it's just me. This shirt would have to say, yeah, me right there. See that? it would be prophetic me, because I would be the only one, but we want you on the prophetic team and our prayer teams. When people are here, we want them to walk into this family and experience this culture in such a radical way that they walk up to the front and they get saved. They give their life to Jesus. Why? Because they experience something that the Bible talks about. They'll know you by your love that you have for each other. They experience love in such a radical way and they see family in such a radical way that they walk themselves up here and they give themselves to Jesus. Well, you know what helps that process? If someone's up here that knows them. And so we want you on our prayer teams. We want you on our serve teams. When we go out with frontline ministry, we want you on our ministry teams. We want you, why? Because this is what family does. And we bring ourselves to the table. Some of you uh, are afraid, um, I'm just going to throw this one out here. Some of you are afraid to commit to one church. Let's move back out of that. Because that's become a Western norm. And that that is a, a direct response to either pain or disappointment. Which disappointment's just pain with a slower ouch, right? And so let's move back out of that. Commit, commit. If it's not here, then it's somewhere. We bless you as you go. If you found somewhere that you can commit and you feel like family and you feel like a tribe, we bless you. We hate to see you leave, but we bless you because we want the best for you and we want you to plug in and we want you to have roots. You're not a potted plant. The u Hall is not your destination. We want you to have roots. We want you to be plugged in. The, the local church is important. Yep. I said something last week I need to retract. Uh, I said, you know, uh, something about home churches. I love home churches. So let me just, I don't, I'm not gonna retract what I said because I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something about home churches gave you the idea that I don't like the home church. I love home churches. I, I, I wish that Atlanta was blanketed with thousands of home churches everywhere. But I also love the corporate gathering. And there's something sacred and important about this because when the family comes together, like I don't, I don't see all 150 people at the Thompson Family Reunion much, but when I do, there's a strength that's added to me. I'm reminded certain things about myself. Like there's pieces of my identity that's hidden in that family. And when I get around them, it stirs it back up. And I remember me when I see them. And it strengthens me. And, and I may show up to the family thing and I may not have something amazing happening in my life at that point. But when they do and they share it with me, the testimony of what's happening in their life strengthens me and stirs me and causes me to dream. And when people come into kingdom family, They may not have a testimony of what God's doing actively right now in their life, but they get around you and they hear the testimony of what he's doing in your business or in your marriage or in your kids or in your whatever, and it stirs them. And it's a key. It's like a universal key given to someone that feels like they've been locked behind a door. And you go, here. Here it is. Here's the key. You can have your own. And there's a strength that's given when family comes together and shares the testimony of the king. And that's why we do this corporate gathering, because we're better together And so we want home churches, but we want the corporate gathering at the same time. That's what I wanted to say from last week. I gave the idea like I didn't like home church. I just think that if we're all in 10-person houses, we could have some impact. But when we all come together and 200 of us set our minds on something, there's a greater impact that can happen when we're all going the same direction, right? And so that's why I love the local church too. But this is what we're doing. We're gearing up. We're moving forward. We're going to serve together. Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Just to make it official. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The sad verse, this verse has always been sad to me, but the sad verse is this. Matthew nine, I gotta give a sad one. I'm sorry. Matthew nine, thirty seven the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Don't get it twisted. If you're parking cars in a parking lot on Sunday morning, your job is just as important as Cody's beautiful voice or Julie's beautiful voice. You're greeting people at that front door. You are the first eyes of Jesus that someone sees when they walk in this place on a Sunday morning. You don't know what their commute looked like. You don't know what their Saturday looked like. You don't know what their month of July looked like. You don't know what 2021 has been to them. But when they walk through these doors, they encounter you first and you get to give a piece of the kingdom right there. Whether through a smile or a hug or a simple word or a great conversation, whatever it is, you are Jesus to them. They walk in and our building looks great and everything's set up beautifully. Guess what that does? It stirs something inside of people and you're Jesus to them. Don't get it twisted. These, uh, these ways of serving, yeah, it's serving the family, but at the end of the day, you are getting to extend the hands of Jesus. You are getting to be the mouth of Jesus. You are getting to be the eyes of Jesus. Like when you come here, we are the feet of Jesus. We are the body, and when people walk in these doors, they experience Jesus through each one of our contributions, and without your contribution, it's just not the whole picture. It would be like a beautiful painting. Take out one of the primary colors. It's just missing something. This thing without you is just missing something. It's pretty important. It's not the same. And so I want to stir all of us. This is an encouraging message. Tell yourself that. <laughs> Lord, just the fresh baptism. Jesus the, it, the word Jesus spoke would be confirmed with signs, wonders, and miracles. so Jesus, confirm this message. <laughs> Come out of them. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> sometimes you get quiet and I get nervous. <laughs> this is how it works. You ever feel that way? <laughs> all the time, and all the time. Oh. let's do family. Let's do it well family doesn't look like, church family doesn't look like, like immediate family. What I mean by that? We live together. We eat together. We do, actually, we're around each other 24-7. We love it. Um, some people can't do that kind of stuff. And that's why we have court systems and jails and things like that. But, um, <laughs> We do family together and my kids, and my kids have to listen to me more than your kids should ever listen to me, right? And, and, and they do it out of respect. And like we have, So don't bring the idea of family and put the picture of your immediate family on this family. What, what kingdom family is, kingdom family is a strength. Kingdom family is in addition to everything you have. Kingdom family is you come here and it doesn't matter how you felt walking in the door, we're going to be happy to see you. We're going to greet you with a smile. We're going to pray for you when you need prayer. We're going to prophesy over you because we're looking through Jesus' eyes. Where maybe your immediate family won't always do that, you know? I don't know what your family looks like. But kingdom family isn't going to be immediate family. And I think a lot of times we put a pressure of immediate family on kingdom family and then we're completely disappointed because people aren't chasing us everywhere we go. When there's two 200 people. It's hard to do that. So we have to come in with eyes to go. What does kingdom family look like? Kingdom family looks like when I get around those people, the prophetic is stirred inside of me. When I get around those people, I'm reminded how to love. When I get around those people, the testimony of Jesus is alive and well. And I walk out with my heart beating with the testimony of Jesus. Because why? Because the testimony was shared with me. Kingdom family is strength. Kingdom family is an identity reminder. Kingdom family is a place I belong even if I feel like I don't fit anywhere else. Kingdom family, I can come in here and I can get encouraged. I can seek my king. I can hug on people that are contagious with love. I can encourage people. I can look for the person that walks through the door that I don't know yet and I can make a point of making them feel seen and known and loved because it's who I am. And when I go to lunch, guess what? Generosity just falls off me on the people around me because I'm part of a kingdom family. And so I have a a clean view. And when I serve, I'm not serving people. People get the fruit and the benefit of it, but I'm serving my king because it's it's just who we are. And so would you stand with me? I hope that was encouraging for you. If it wasn't, then see Chris. (laughs) He's our pastor. See Terry. See Terry. She's retired. She can take it. No, see, Chris, because Terry will actually confront me about it and be like, hey, when you said that, it did upset people. But Chris will be like, oh, man, he said that. But he won't really ever say anything to me, and I'll be fine with that, and he'll be fine with that, and we'll just go hunting. And that's what makes everything better. Yeah. We'll go kill something. Okay. Jesus, I thank you that you are establishing culture in this family. Lord, I thank you for this young family. And God, I thank you that that you you are fully establishing us, that you've put a vision before us, that you have a purpose for us, God. And Lord, I just ask that revival would be seen, heard, known, and felt in this family because this family does kingdom well. God, teach us what it is to love each other. God, teach us what it is to love you. Teach us what it is to be a people that serve. Teach us what it is, God. When people come here, they expect, same way the disciples expect, they expected something, but what they experience is a serving king. They experience a serving people. They experience a loving people, God. Lord, teach us what it is to wear your sandals. Teach us what it is to walk the way you walked. Jesus, you are the way. Teach us the way, God, that when people walk in these doors, they would encounter you and your love. And it would happen through our greeters. And it would happen through our setup team and our teardown team. And it happen through the prophetic. And the children would receive it in children's ministry. And the toddlers would receive it. And the nursery would receive it, God. Th- th- it would just be a culture that flows so freely through this family, God. And Lord, we just right now, we just we send out a call to this area. We send out a call to the family members, the people that are supposed to be part of this family that aren't yet here. We send out a call to you. We say the doors are open. You are more than welcome. You belong here. You are accepted here. God, teach us to steward the things that you've put in front of us. Teach us to be good stewards of those things, God. That this family would be known for the love that we have for you for each other, and for everyone that walks in these doors. God, make us famous for love, if you make us famous for anything at all. Jesus, we love you, and we appreciate you. And everybody said? Amen. 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 All right. If you're, if you're itching to serve, and you want to uh, get, just jump in right now, we got some places you can do it right now. You could talk to Sarah. Raise your hand. And you could talk about, hey, I want to get involved with the kids, Eric and Sarah. I was told, Sarah, Eric, I think that you should be one too. I don't know what they were thinking when they said just Sarah. uh, Or you could talk to to Chris and Terry. They know everything about anywhere to serve. You could talk to them. You could talk to a lot of different people in this area. You could talk to Tristan about getting back there. This dude, man, he is back here behind the soundboard making sure everything, you can hear everything. And it sounds good. Talk to Tristan. Talk to Scott. Scott's back there at the computer. There's a ton of places to serve. If you want to, yes, please. Get on the setup teams. Talk to, talk to whoever is, you, when you come in this church on Sunday and you see someone doing something, grab that person right now after church. Don't wait till next week, you'll forget. Grab them right now and get involved in something. And then as we go into the fall, there's gonna be a whole lot more. There's gonna be a ton of addition that happens to this. And so there's gonna be places for everybody. This family will serve well because it's just who we are. You good with that? All right, I need to get our prayer teams up here right now. So if you are on the prayer team or you are a small group leader, a revived group leader, or you're on the school team and you wanna pray today, then we would love to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything at all, whether physical, financial, emotional, spiritual, relational, I don't care, any of the shoals, any of the ols we'll pray for all of it. We would love you to get prayer before you leave because this is also what family does. Family strengthens each other. Other than that, go out to eat, invite someone to go with you, and then tip really well. Cool? Let people see like we are generous people. Love you guys.